welcome to our very uh, impromptu discussion of the Emmys. I say impromptu, but it's 24 hours later, so we've had time for things to settle in. Um, so you're going to be hearing from myself, Nathaniel, and Abe. Welcome back. Thank you. Excited to be here. Uh, Mark Brinkerhoff. Same as well. Chris James. Hello. And Claudia. I have been kind of sour about the Emmy nominations, but I realize that's like such a knee-jerk reaction. And, you know, it's probably just because I expect to be frustrated. And so I always, it, it always lives up to that. <laughs> and my main frustration is this sort of overabundance of nominations for, you know, just a few shows. And the yeah. strange thing about being frustrated about that is those are shows that I love. But even so, I'm like, yeah, I get that you love it. I love it too, but it doesn't need to be nominated like in every category and, you know, seven nominations for, for you know, like the main example I would be thinking of is The White Lotus, which I think is genius. Um, it was by far my favorite miniseries of the last year. And um, I don't think it needed like 10 acting nominations. And they still miss two of the people. Which two? <laughs> they had like and Brittany O'Grady. Yeah. They were, they were both Fred Hessinger, who played uh, the son, and Brittany O'Grady, who was the friend. And they were both terrific. Yes. So maybe they need just an ensemble award so they don't feel like they have to nominate every single person. Yes, um, but, even then, but even then they would leave them off. Right. <laughs> like, like, yeah, if they have exactly, the, no title actors, card. Yeah, if they have the Screen Actors Guild Awards, yes. Yes. Yeah, not always foolproof. Unfortunately, I think that even with an ensemble award, they would still nominate all the individual actors. Exactly. That's probably true, especially with the, the system in place. And for as much yeah. as I complain about, oh, the voters are lazy, mm -hmm. if I was voting, I would probably do the same thing. Since you can vote for any, you know, as many people as you want, I would probably just list everybody I loved. So then naturally it would, mm -hmm. you know, it just brings the shows that everybody's watching up to the top, regardless of if you had to compare, let's say, I don't know, I need a good example of a supporting actress from a miniseries that was amazing that did not get nominated. Anyone? Juliette Binoche in The Staircase. Right. If you had to compare Juliette Binoche in The Staircase to um, Connie Breton in The White Lotus, you know, I think The White Lotus is like so much better than The Staircase, but if I had those two performances sitting in front of me and I had to choose, I would go with Julia Binoche. But if you don't have to choose, naturally it's like whatever show gets watched the most is gets all the nominations. Well, the interesting thing too is when you get to the um, voting for winners, having a lot of internal competition actually doesn't help um, because you actually, and I can see this happening for The White Lotus maybe, like it's an ensemble show where I think everyone sort of had their own different favorite storyline or own different favorite yeah. characters. And you, you get these interesting splits. So if you're actually like looking for wins, sort of having the cast stacked against you doesn't always help out quite that much. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done the, the statistics of it, um, but it doesn't seem to hurt at the Oscars, but the Oscars you're only ever against like one other person. <laughs> from your movie essentially it it didn't hurt the west wing back in the day and i think that's the best comparison for this sort of total dominance of categories that they still won most of the prizes even when they had three to four people in each category 
it is one of those things where it can still happen, but we actually saw it a lot with like Game of Thrones, for example, where having four people um, in the same category allowed Julia Garner to pull up her upset. And um, we saw that with uh, Billy Crudup winning for the morning show when there were a bunch of succession people. Um, it's not foolproof, obviously. Right. Um, I think it's all about um, if you have a clear front runner um, within your group of non four nominees, um, like I would say Jennifer Coolidge is probably that for the White Lotus, then you're us- you could pretty much be on a safe path. But if you are dealing with maybe like more unknown quantities or sort of like have split passions, that's um, where sort of having multiple nominees can be hurtful. Yeah. Right. I do think Murray Bartlett is in that position too, not as secure as Jennifer Coolidge. That said, at the Golden Globes, which will only use for statistical reasons, Caitlin Deaver did beat Jennifer Coolidge. And so they're the only two, I think, that translated to this category, but that's worth considering. And since they didn't even have the Golden Globes last year, I had totally blanked on that information. <laughs> they did release the winners, but since there wasn't a show, it's, just, it's kind of like how, you know, they're like, no, we're giving them their own night for like the creative Emmy Awards. I'm like, yes, but when you do that, nobody actually knows or they don't retain the information, even if they look it up, like people like me. Or like the, or the, or like the writer's strike year when John Hamm won for Mad Men. You're like, nobody remembers that because it was a press release. Right. <laughs> there, was no, there was no telecast. Yeah. The uh, whole, didn't they, they, have, just, they just read it in like yeah, a half hour yeah. special, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think they, they had access Hollywood. They had <laughs> Dave Carger up there and they kept having him predict who was going to win. And the moment after it, someone else won. And so, like, it was a fun idea that didn't end up working out so nicely. Yes. Um, but is there another organization where you can, you can nominate as many as you wish? You're not, you're not restricted because that's the only reason I could think of that. Uh, Sandra O oh and uh, Jodie Comer got in for Killing Eve. I'm like, who is? I guess people enough people checked those two boxes that they got in for lead actress because I don't think that I don't think this uh, final season was well regarded, and I don't think they in it were super well regarded. Yeah, um, I mean that that I think that speaks less to that voting thing than just the way people are when they vote for them. He says like, oh yeah, I love that show. And they, they, Lazy they, voting. They, they may be two seasons behind. I know that yeah. if I were an Emmy voter, I would be more conscious of doing that. But however, now, like there's a lot of shows that I'm not caught up with and I'm like, yay, when they get nominated for something, but I don't technically know they deserve it because <laughs> sometimes I'm a whole season behind. Um, so I think a lot of, a lot of uh, Emmy voters probably are behind and don't really think about what season they're voting on. I do think they were they were both very good in season four, and I think that the fact that the show was up for Best Drama Series the last two seasons and then isn't this time shows they just hung on to what they liked most. Unfortunately, that's a third of a category. Whereas if you look at something like Atlanta, this season was interesting, but if you're going to nominate one of the cast members, it's not Donald Glover. He was barely in the show. Brian T- Tyree Henry and Zazie Beetz both had great standout episodes that would have been enough to get them nominated. And so him getting nominated feels very strange, especially because someone like Anthony Anderson was definitely a bigger part of the final season of his show. So that's that's an odd choice. 
Especially when you've been nominated before, you know, when you've had they when you've had people who are great this current season and they've been nominated before and then they just they're skipped out. Yeah. Like this is us. Yes. That was gonna be the the question I wanted to ask because um you know there were definitely like some surprises, but I always do tend to just sort of start with what the Emmys have traditionally nominated and then um add in the blank spots. But it seemed a little interesting that that show got pretty much completely skunked for its last season, which um, maybe I'm just basing this off of my mom and her friends, but it seemed like it was somewhat well-regarded yet killing Eve and like other things hang Mm -hmm. on. I guess I, what do you all think was sort of the X factor that made this is us so kind of easy for them to uh, cut off when other stuff sort of hangs on? I mean, I, I have speaking of being very behind, I'm very behind on that show. I'm not sure I'll ever finish because I lost track of it at some point. And um, I think it's also a matter of how long shows stay running and on network. Uh, how, what season was that? Five or six? Six. Six. Okay. So, like, I think Killing Eve hung on because it was season four, but had it been season five, I'm not sure that it would have hung on. Now, in in the past, of course, the Emmys would just keep going for as long as your show ran. But since the television landscape changes so much every year now, I think there's a shorter amount of time where you might be, you know, the thing that they want to talk about all the time. Right. Especially if you come on super strong at the beginning. Yeah. And then you just wear out your welcome. it still doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I feel like also This Is Us and Bridgerton were the only shows eligible from last year and both didn't get nominated. And so This Is Us is the one show that has been on consistently every single year. It wasn't nominated for a year in between, but still the fact that it's been so consistent. Also look at the final season of This Is Us fan reception to the final season of Game of Thrones fan reception. Game of Thrones had tons of acting nominations and all these, it's just, it's very strange. And I think, it's always odd to me when something is so dismissed across all categories, because you would have expected Sterling K. Brown to still be in there, if no one else, even though if you're watching this season, it's Mandy Moore and Christy Metz, who really did great work and could have, you know, should have gotten in. This is why I keep harping on that blue ribbon panel, but based, based on what I hear online, apparently when they used to do that is when they used to skewer even more for shows that have been on a long time, um, because it was you know what what i was what i was gleaning from conversation was that it was because people had the free time to watch all of like the submitted episodes so it had to be people who weren't working so you know older actors and that sort of thing so that has its own problems but i kept thinking maybe what they need is like an executive committee like the oscars for foreign film where you know you get 80 percent of the nominees come from the general voting body and then you have you know tastemakers who are like there to make sure things aren't totally bizarre and unfounded and they can put in a couple people maybe maybe like I mean I don't watch Better Call Saul Saul but judging on the reception of that show over the past you know what six years or something they they would have easily nominated Rhea Seahorn much earlier than the Emmys finally got around to because every year that was the complaint yeah. And that show could have done a lot better also the same way that Ozark and its final season could have done a lot better. There are a lot of people on those shows, a lot of opportunities for different things. And I think that they sort of were 
relatively neutral as compared with something like Succession, which I know last year we talked about Nicholas Braun and the necessity of nominating him. But, you know, there's there's just too much. You don't need all these <laughs> guest actors and... Uh, 14 total acting nominations. It, it, it's sort of just, it's one of those, how, how is someone best if everyone is there? Um. <laughs> right. I mean, it, and it's a great show, but yeah, it, it just, it just shows that the voting system is like, if you don't have to make a choice, like how is that a good voting system? Like if you're on your voting well. system, don't you have to make a choice? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. If anything, the choice seems to be the few ones who get left out. <laughs> I thought about that with the comedy guest actors category with um, hacks, because, like, for example, um, uh, Caitlin Olson, uh, who was so good on season one, um, right. she had like one episode in season two, and it was not even really about her. And yeah. I almost forgot that she was in the season at all. And yeah, then she got a nomination, but Ming-Na Wen, who had two episodes and who was hilarious, yes. was much better. Mm-hmm. But, so is that an apology nomination, or is that just, oh, you know, we love hacks, but, you know. I think the Tom Pelfrey nomination and guest actor is sort of more like salt in the wounds for why in the world did you not nominate him the season before in supporting when he did such great work and really yeah. elevated. And it's happened with Michael McKean for Better Call Saul and... Um, uh, with Elizabeth Mitchell for Lost, like that kind of makeup nomination, which he, his happened to be a very, very brief reappearance where like I turned it on. I'm like, am I watching the wrong season? And that's what everyone's reaction was. Yeah. <laughs> Cumulative. Yeah. Well, see, and that's the thing. It's like people are always voting on the, if it's a show that's been on for more than one season, they're always voting on every season when they vote. Yeah, which to me is why they need something like an executive committee, because like the only reason to have the awards every year is yeah. if you're actually paying attention to what happened that year. The yeah, the length of the season is also, I think, an interesting issue where like kind of the White Lotus was so early last year. I know that you were writing that a lot of things skewed really early, but then you're saying like The Great, which I think is the best comedy on TV, which at all the mid-year awards for season one was getting nominations for season two was getting nominations and now we're here and somehow it misses out i was shocked that it got in for best actor and actress i was so thrilled about that but the fact that it can go from like an obvious choice to a nine or ten is just nuts especially when just everything is so uneven in terms of when things come back and when things you know it's very strange yeah so um i think claudio you were mentioning something about they're getting rid of the hanging hanging episode rule was that you claudio uh, yes, on Twitter I mentioned it because I am confused because they, they are going to eliminate that possibility starting next year. Mm-hmm. But there are shows this year who have hanging episodes, like Stranger Things and, I, and Better Call Saul. What, how, what are they going to do next year? Are they eligible for anything? Just for you know so-called below the line categories? TV movie? Or, yeah, I was about to say for Stranger <laughs> Things. <laughs> I mean, like, the length that, that was sort of my. Movie. My my first thought, I mean, they sort of intentionally split it up. I feel like they're, they probably would submit that. I mean, also, I was about to sit down and watch that um, finale, just like an, a normal TV episode. And I thought maybe it'll be an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> I was about to do that tonight before this, before this conversation. And then I saw the running time and I was like, it was two and a half hours for one episode. 
Ab- absolutely here. ludicrous. Like taking bloat to a whole new level. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> if you're going to make a movie, make a movie. If you're going to make a TV show, make a TV show. Yeah. More that matters. <laughs> but then it got nominated for best drama when I, and I like that show. I've watched, you know, all the other seasons. I watched the season except for the final episode, which is two and a half hours. Cause I'm going to need to carve out some space for that. But it, it was not good this season. It had so many problems. And no acting episode, uh, no acting nominees. Well, thank God. <laughs> yeah, when people are saying everybody's being robbed for acting nominations for that show, I'm like, have you watched any other television besides Stranger Things? I'll be here for Sadie Sink. Uh, no, she was good. Yeah. Season had a lot of problems, but I think this is also why um, I think if I'm bummed about anything, it's specifically in the supporting races because um, we talked about the great getting in and lead actor and lead actress. We can bemoan that it didn't get into comedy series, but it still got some traction and used to see things like shrill, better things, like other things like get these lone acting nominations. Better and I'd love if, you know, we see less of these like shows taking up five slots and more of like, you know, this one performer was really good in this show. Like let's, throw it in supporting maybe it's not going to get traction anywhere else but um yeah which, like you know which seemed to be a lot more common back in the day you know there seemed to be more curation around you know certain performers or certain like standouts and that just doesn't seem to happen anymore or are you talking about in the campaign itself and both but also it seemed like there used to be more outliers like really like standouts in in shows or series that would emerge and then now it feels like it's just called from the top you know it's something that it's like an afterthought you know um it's hard to if you're just looking at the nominations it's hard to really see like who's a standout here because yeah everyone's nominated seemingly like even a show like pam and tommy which I didn't right. love, but I thought there were certain people who were better than others. For sure. And, and then I think, okay, well, Seth Rogen is nominated. <laughs> and like Naveen, Naveen Andrews is not, you know, for the dropout or, or like a show like that. So yeah, it's that, strange. It's strange. Yeah, that is really strange. And I'm not, I, I don't like, like to, you know, beat up on, on someone, a specific person. But, you know, I also watch Pam and Tommy. And it's just like... <laughs> the level of performance is so different from Lily James to Seth Rogen. Correct. Although I was happy to see Sebastian Stan because I do think that he's somebody who is not very emotive in almost everything he does. And he really did something different in Pam and Tommy and that should be rewarded. Well, sure. No, I thought he was good. I'm not sure he would have made like five if I had to choose five people, but like he was very good. But Seth Rogen, I'm like, I was not upset about the framing when it started. I'm like, okay, this is, this is an angle, but it just, every time it went to him, the show just collapsed. It dragged, yeah. In energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe that wasn't all his fault, but his, he wasn't helping it, you know? I do wonder with the current voting, if, as you were saying, once upon a time, there was that, like, a season standout that even if they didn't embrace the entire show, they embraced that performer. I wonder if something like Margot Martindale winning Best Supporting Actress for Justified or like Mary Weaver for Nurse Jackie could happen today. Right. 
Yeah. And you're saying like Jelko Ivanek from, you know, Damages, which is a real, like that's an episode, example of an episode winning, which I just don't think happens anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, is there even anybody who's an outlier who's not in one of the series nominees that's nominated for acting other than limited series? This isn't exactly an outlier, um, but I always appreciate when I see like a nomination that shows like these people are watching the show and maybe choosing like who they think gave a uh, great performance. As I was doing predictions, I was like, uh, I really love Tohi Jamo and Ted, Ted Lasso, but there's no way that's going to be who they check off. And I was so delighted to see um, them get in. Mm-hmm. And examples like that, even though there are three Ted Lasso people in these lineups, like, I'm excited that they sort of took the time to be like, actually, this is someone who I think really stood out and um, popped on the screen in this season. Yeah, but it does make you wonder. I mean, I totally agree on him and on uh, Sarah Niles, who I love on Ted Lasso, who I never thought was going to get nominated, but I should have thought about the way that they vote. (laughs) Um, But then it also makes you wonder, like, would, is it possible that they were, that they were considered MVPs and they just, it doesn't come across that way because of the voting system. And the number of nominees too. Right. When you have seven or eight nominees, it sort of feels like everybody could get in. Well, in the drama and comedy supporting racism, if you take out the SNL people that, you know, SNL can't be nominated for best comedy. The only nominee that's not also for best series is Billy Crudup for the morning show is the only the only lone well, thing yeah that, that's what i was talking about like it's just that's just showing like it's that's even worse than the oscar statistics you know right although you really get at least a few uh, at least a couple nominees who aren't in a best picture nominee but reese witherspoon over jennifer Aniston, i think is the best example of that of people actually watching the season i can tell mark by your facial expression you probably don't feel uh, fondly about either of them on this show or the show at least but i i think that reese if you like season two, or even if you don't like season two, Reese had much more to do, much better storylines, yeah. and handled them very well. So while whether or not she deserves a nomination is a separate question, but the fact that she got in over Jennifer, I think, is a very important and good thing. Yeah, but where's Juliana Margulies? That's what I think. I think she was sort of the standout last season, and I don't love that show, but I think it's always strange when somebody gets in, it's sort of like a legacy nomination, like Billy Crudup, but then I look at Juliana Margulies and was like, well, she had the most interesting arc. You know, I, she is the person that, that I would think uh, being a previous multiple Emmy winner would get it. But then Marsha Gay Harden gets in, who was fun. I get that. But it was sort of like, it feels like on some level, there's no rhyme or reason, but yes, uh, certainly Reese Witherspoon over Jennifer Aniston this last season makes more sense than if she'd been nominated in season one. Just happy uh, Steve Carell and his villain Italy uh, showing up in Best Actor. <laughs> he was in Supporting Actor. He was in Supporting Actor. Oh, okay. Well, still, either which way. He's, he's not Rob Lowe. He doesn't insist on submitting lead every time he appears on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I have to hand it to Rob Lowe, at least. At least with Rob Lowe, he's not ever going to demote himself um, just to rack up another nomination. But was he a lead actor on Parks and Recreation? I don't think so. <laughs> no, but, uh, but it, there's a difference between, like, promoting yourself and demoting yourself and stealing from, from like, punching down, essentially, because you're well, stealing the spotlight from a character actor. Let's talk about <laughs> Hannah Einbinder, right, who is un, 
inarguably excellent. Would she get nominated in the actress category? I think with this voting system, possibly. I I mean, they clearly love that. Yeah. I think she would, which is why, why it's even more aggravating to me, because I love Hacks. And again, the second season, I'm reminded, I think she's, you know, just as good as Jean Smart. I think it's like a, one of the, it's kind of like a Thelma and Louise situation where they're both just so excellent. Right. And actually, I think the best example compared to this would be Rose Byrne for damages. The fact that she was considered sporting when she absolutely wasn't. I guess in that case, you can make a slight argument that Glenn Close is more the lead. No, you can. (laughs) If you watch this show, you can. But it is just like you're you're comparing Hannah Einbender to someone like Janelle James, who's like the exact perfect definition of a standout comedic supporting actress. Yeah. Um, and it, it it just sort of they're they're given different jobs to do on the show, and not just because of different tones. Yeah. I, I was pleased and also surprised to see Saturday Night Live not dominate as it has because i don't watch it regularly i always watch nine to ten episodes every summer and now i'm like i'm gonna watch a maximum of three and that feels fine to me because it should they used to have the individual variety performance category i'd say bring it back you know don't don't hug up the other categories a hundred percent with um variety and sketch kind of getting more um contenders in like i'd love to see um, Robin Thede compete with Bowen Yang and Kate McKinnon um, and sort of see, you know, which variety, which skill, who is better at the skill set that we're judging them on. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand is if they have, you know, certain, um, they have like a threshold for guest actor and guest actress. Why don't that they have that for lead and supporting? I mean, like, why isn't there something more uniform? Because... Well, how would you do that with lead? How would you do that with lead though? Because if you're a series regular, you are in uh, usually in every episode. Yeah. So which, like, which Hannah Einbender was right, but so were all the supporting more than Jean Smart. I feel but, like she was in more, 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 more. Are you talking about screen time? I don't know, but I just feel like there, there should. It seems like there should be something a little bit more uniform for the acting categories like there is for guest. But that just I, doesn't seem to be. It might also keep people out, because I remember when Zazie Beats got nominated for Atlanta, she didn't get nominated as part of the SAG ensemble because she hadn't been in enough episodes, mm. which was an insane, or she wasn't shot, whatever billings, it didn't make a lot of sense. But I think there should be a recurring category. I think we should add another one, because that's what everyone wants, as many more categories. <laughs> I don't want that. But especially with most, with a lot of people, like someone like... Um, you know, Jane Adams, who's in more Marsha K. Hart, you know, whatever, that they could be, there could be that distinction because I feel like some guest people like Tom Peffrey come in for a scene. And some yeah, come and in for a scene. Well, this, this is all junk. Can we, can, can we just name name it? It's all junk Cusack's fault for Shameless <laughs> all those years. Which I will say is a show whose Emmy performance I never understood. That is a show that should have gotten to the kind of nominations we're seeing Succession get these days with every actor nominated. It should have been a comedy, I feel like, and then switched to drama later in its run. I don't know what the story was, but I feel like yeah. that that is the ultimate Emmy failure, which is very yeah. sad. I mean, I'm like joking sort of about Joan Cusack, but that was ridiculous. And But I, I do think sometimes the really egregious cases do sort of force their hand a little. So yeah, 
I almost need there to be more egregious cases so that they would make rulings about something. They're slow they to reform. Yeah, although they're slow to reform, but at the same time, they change rules every year. Every <laughs> so year. It's like, so it's like really hard to keep up with what they're doing. Right. Well, that's why I'm sort of wondering if they think this sort of like limited amount of shows that you're nominating is somewhat egregious or sort of having two shows take up seven nominations routinely in categories. I mean, I guess we don't like to think about this that much because, you know, we love awards because we love awards and the mm-hmm. art of it all, but it is a promotion, like it, it is essentially PR for an industry. And I sort of feel like if you're only highlighting like five shows when there's so many shows to go around, you're not actually really incentivizing people to watch more TV. Oh, totally. A hundred percent. That's why I think that they would want the rules to be more restricted. And, but also wouldn't they want more and like, what is the problem with their lack of uniformity, uniformity? And I'm not talking about the number of nominees because I understand theoretically that is very set in their rules. Like you have to, you know, once you reach certain thresholds, like another nominee pops up. However, so you have, everything divided by comedy and drama until you get to some of the crafts, which are divided by half hour versus hour. So then I just want to throw in, well, what about stranger things where the episodes are like two hours or or over hour regularly. And so it just seems like so strange. Like why would they divide it by comedy and drama except for with crafts and then it becomes hour or half hour. Well, and then you have, my specialty, the costumes categories, which have been changing <laughs> names for the past 10 years constantly. Now they're by genre, but nothing else is by genre, like other than drama and comedy. Like you don't have, you you don't have a best period drama versus best contemporary drama. Like you don't have two categories for contemporary period of drama. Do you think they would ever move in that direction with all of the shows, all of the programming? Or that would just be too much. That's what the Oscars do, isn't it? Uh, well, no, the Oscars kept, they've reduced categories. <laughs> no, but everything competes. There's no comedy. There's no, yeah. you know, yeah. everything is all in one. And it's not necessarily great. You know, Silence of the Lambs and Beauty and the Beast, same kind of thing, right? They should compete against each other for Best Picture. Yeah. Well, if you're going down that road, then nothing is comparable to anything. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I also wonder about the limited series and whole the idea, even though... This year, I think we did get actual limited series with the White Lotus being a, you know, question mark. But hmm? it's it's more of an anthology now. I Right. But like, should those be competing as comedy or like why True Detective sort of did that? You know, it's it's, I don't I don't know that it makes a lot of sense. I don't know that they're so, so different in how they tell stories. Well, and also if you're an anthology series, okay, so here's my, here's my thing about that. Cause now the anthology they include with limited and not with drama, right? Okay. So they go limited comma anthology. So yeah, as long as you don't have characters like continuing. Recurring. Like, like, but what, yeah, well, but White Lotus If you're American does. Horror Story, you can never repeat the characters. Right. But White Lotus <laughs> is continuing because yeah. Jennifer Lotus is playing, reviving her character. So it's like, how is that an anthology? How is that not a second season? Well, they also submitted some some limited series in drama, like Pieces of Her and other things, whereas it used to be that a show would get canceled and then they would call it a limited series, which, you know, is not true. But, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, at least, at least Squid Game 
did the honest thing because wasn't that envisioned as a one season, but it was so popular that they decided to do a second. So at least they didn't compete as limited. You know? Yeah. Which, I mean, not that they didn't do well, they did very well, but like they probably would have done just as well or even better in limited because they, I think they might have a tougher time winning best series than they would winning limited series. Well, I think there's a difference between this and the Oscars in that like, you know, film is a medium and though you might be in different genres, you are somewhat competing in the same arena where granted like the lines between comedy and drama are blurring, but it still does come from this place of a sitcom versus an hour long drama. And there are sort of conventions that practical conventions that I can separate how you can judge them together. And ultimately what you want to do is evaluate art um, successfully in, in a perfect world. And so with the craft categories, like, I wish there were a little more like rhyme and reason or like, this is why we've made this distinction. Like maybe we should do theory versus contemporary rather than comedy versus drama because a comedic costume and a drama costume doesn't actually matter, but fantasy versus period does. I would argue it matters, but. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big difference between the costumes in Blackish to the costumes in Euphoria and how they work. Speaking of um, potentially extraneous categories and the difficulty of medium, is it time to eliminate the TV movie category? Because they don't care about TV movies anymore. Right. I, I mean, I think it's disappointing that The Survivor couldn't even get a directing nomination for Barry Levinson, that kind of thing. I would it's have like a legend that. in the industry, yeah. But I think... Aside from that, the category is actually a success this year in that the other four nominees are all legitimate TV movies. They're not the fallout or other things we would have liked to see nominated necessarily, but you would, those are actually all, you know, they're all continuations. They're all, you know, but they're, I don't know. I, I think that there's some value to it, but I'd love to see even more TV movie categories to recognize those people. Cause I think it could give, if we're talking about the idea of like as a beacon for television and a way to get people to watch stuff, all of us, I presume, to some degree, will go watch these things and check them out now and watch Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers and things we might not have sought out, you know? Yeah. You're very optimistic. Hey, you or, keep talking about adding categories. So many. I don't... No, we're completed. I, I will. Uh, yeah. yeah, but once, like, you know, I was counting for the an article I was working on today, I was counting the number of categories and I, I forget, it was over 100, though, for the Emmys. So it's like, once you get that many... Yeah it's really hard to be a completist. Like, it's much easier, you know, like, I'm a completist with the Oscars, sure, but there's, you know, <laughs> a much smaller pool. But don't you think, so, I mean, I, I feel like with TV movie, it's, I mean, I want to see Good Luck to You, Leo Grand nominated next year. Yes. I mean, it, it premiered, obviously, very early um, in the season for next year's Emmys, but also... So do White Lotus last year, you know, and I think like having there is value in having um, a, a TV movie category, especially as more movies that might be intended for theatrical get bumped to or relegated to to TV. I want there to be a place where where those kinds of movies can can still be recognized, even even if, you know, it seems kind of ludicrous that 
but it didn't happen this year, right? Aside from the Survivor. And when Emma Thompson doesn't get nominated for Best Actress next year, then it's like, well, there's no points anymore because people are clearly just watching limited series and considering that to be so much higher. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like technically speaking, if they're going to, you know, make, if they're going to start doing this thing where they just say, no, no theatrical, you don't even get a one week in, in theaters with, with movies, then yes, they need to be, they need to have, because awards are important. You have to have an award. But like, I mean, we have already got Fire Island and good luck to Leo Ground that premiered after the Emmy eligibility period. So like they could have two like complete bangers in in there, but will they nominate them or will they just nominate like Stranger Things, the finale, the season four finale as a movie? Since it won't that'll be, be the category. Series. Will will TV movie actors be like the Saturday Night Live sketch actors who get into supporting, you know, comedy act? Like, will we have <laughs> will we have one or two of them every year? Just because <laughs> I mean that it seems like that is, but even then, it just there's just a higher uh, if you're in a limited series, you are going likely going to get in over somebody who is in a two hour TV movie, which is really it really sucks, but um, it seems to I be think, the way it is now. I think we should all prepare ourselves for Leo Grand not even to make TV movie next year. And then set some Christmas movie from Netflix gets in. <laughs> I think just to be clear, there were, I think, 13 or 14 Christmas movies eligible yes. this year, and only one got nominated. And I haven't seen the others, but it's the best one that I've the only one that I've seen. So <laughs> that's good. Listen, Dolly Parton hasn't released a movie yet. And that, when she does, that'll be it. <laughs> well, but I will, I will also note that Zoe's Extraordinary Christmas getting nominated is a very important thing because it could lead to more of the show. That because Roku is watching, you know, and Roku has not burst onto the scene the same way that something like Apple TV Plus wow. has, you know, with its shows. They had, I don't know if anyone saw Swimming with Sharks. Which with Diane Kruger and Kiernan Shipka was another show that had a contention, which had they really pushed, could have done something, but I think it's still just too new. And so that nomination could be really important for both the show and the streaming service, if we call it that. I don't know what it, what it is. Well, also, you know, this, this thing of, this is another thing we were, we were mentioning earlier that it's not a, Chris, you were saying it's not a good, or maybe it was Mark. Sorry. I can, all these voices. So like uh, that it's not a good commercial for the industry. It's not good promotion for the industry to only have five shows recognized, but it's also like really bad for the streaming services because like if Netflix and, you know, HBO max get all the nominations, like how, you know, just because more people have them and it's about cumulative votes when there's no, no uh, like curating and no executive committee and no, no, plant panels or anything how is something like paramount plus you know or peacock going to ever get any nominations yeah or stars which can't seem to get arrested right but has has a lot of high profile projects i don't know it it definitely feels like there's favoritism or sort of you know lazy or legacy voting that's happening but it does like how how is girls five eva not nominated in song categories like what is happening in some, like some areas you think it's a no brainer. And then mm-hmm. it's clear that, you know, Peacock programming is just not widely viewed or considered. And that's crazy to me because. Well, it, it also happened with CBS All Access, right? When they, 
their flagship series that like critics like I I was never into the good wife so I didn't watch the good fight the good fight <laughs> thank you oh so <laughs> um yeah people say it's so good but like it's it has incredible. so many like intense fans like how could that why did that not translate unless the people who are voting only watch HBO Netflix and if their hand is forced by something like a phenomenon like a empire in its day or um this is us in its first few years or abbott elementary this year now yeah right but Um, we also we saw that with the yellowstone right that other awards bodies went crazy for it and everyone thought it would show up and then nothing because who it's just not what people are watching you know the network as you're saying yeah so it kind of makes you it kind of makes you wonder if like i'm not suggesting this but remember when cable first started they did they weren't eligible for the emmys that cable ace, cable ace Well, you look at something like the Hollywood Critics Association when they put out these awards that are also a bit strangely grouped, where they have like, you know, uh, cable or broadcast and then streaming separately, and you get four nominees from one show in the category. It's interesting to see. I still think it's great to have more nominees, but there are just so many distinctions that at a certain point you're going to end up with, you know, 300 categories, which again, I don't think is a bad thing. It's more to watch. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, if we think these do matter for people or for new roles or anything. I don't know. I I do think, I don't know that this solves a problem necessarily. I think it would be a a duplicate, but if there was a way to list every show and all of their submissions on one, like every show gets a page, let's say. So that way, you know, which shows are submitting, let's say some of the series like SEAL Team, I think, which submitted like 12 episodes for directing, you know, that kind of thing to look at like what they think they have to offer um, and for the performers, that might be helpful too. So you're like, oh, I watch Hacks. Oh, Hannah Einbinder's on here, but so is Meg Stalter. And it could, I don't know, I don't know how that would practically work because you'd have to have both the ballot by category and that ballot, but it's worth yeah, considering. But, it. That, well, but that makes me think that they should have rules about how many things you can submit in one category. Because, like, I, I mean, I don't love the, Os- the new Oscar rule that you can only submit two songs because if we get in the original musical, God forbid, and they can only submit two songs, it's like, why? But on the other hand, like if you if you don't limit it, you have it's just like this weird thing where you're like, you know what? Because some of the shows choose only like we're going to put all our eggs in one basket and others are like, here's 12 episodes to watch, to consider. And it just, yeah, it's the chaos. It's the chaos. I know we've talked about it a lot. So let's we should probably change topics to something happy. (laughs) <laughs> well, I do think there is something worth celebrating, which is the fact that Severance and Yellow Jackets and Abbott Elementary, depends how you feel about all those shows, but it's still like that is rare celebration, especially these days of new shows. Obviously, Severance, Christopher Walken's nomination would have been nice if there were some other people from the show there. But it's it's great to see. I think those three were embraced more than I expected. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Yellow Jackets is superb. I was thrilled for it and uh, Severance, very memorable. So yeah, I was very happy about that too. And of course, Abbott Elementary, I knew was going to do well, um, but I was a little, a little nervous for uh, <laughs> Yellow Jackets and uh, Severance just because you never know on first seasons. Well, I, I think too, like in talking about, you know, some streamers that aren't getting in, it, it takes a while to build a following, but I think even though this is older, like, Showtime isn't exactly always a slam dunk with with the Emmys. And I feel like they were really smart by putting all their bags in the yellow jackets pocket. And I feel like they sort of 
um, you know, just played a really smart campaign and it paid off because ultimately like TV, there's so much of it. Even voters can't watch it all. You have to sort of guide their hand a little bit. And I'm glad people checked out those shows. I also don't think Severance was probably at the top of people's list until uh, they just like got recommended it. So it's fantastic. Yeah. I feel like Hulu did really well this year too. Um, and certain shows like Abbott Elementary, which I feel like a lot of people probably did watch on Hulu, um, benefited from that. So, I mean, Hulu is, seems to be, although I don't, I'm always confused about FX on Hulu, FX, you know, the, the lines between, but it seems like Hulu has done a better job lately than ever of really sort of um, creating lots of different types of content or putting, putting that, making that content available so that it's, it's discovered and discussed in ways that, you know, other streamers just don't do a great job. I mean, Netflix, I don't think has, it, it seems to be diminishing returns with the exception of Squid Game and. Yeah. But yeah, with Netflix, it's almost like you have to have, it has to just be a phenomenon for to register with people. Right, but was Inventing Anna a phenomenon? Like, that's what I was like. I, I thought so, and I thought I liked it a lot. And I, in, in a pre-nominations uh, uh, podcast, I was discouraged from it being enthusiastic about it and so didn't ultimately, you know, predict it. But I also don't think it got so many nominations it really had such a splash. Um, but we're talking, I mean, Prime Video really didn't show up very, unless I'm missing, I mean, this is Maisel got half the nominations it did the last time. And, you know, as we see it, I think is one show they could have easily pushed if they really tried, you know, but it's strange because I think Prime Video should be as strong as Netflix and Hulu. I sort of think of those as like the big three, but Apple TV Plus has far, you know, surpassed it. And it's, well, it's think, just... Um, yeah, I think Amazon's problem is that there's not like a... Is this like a tiny, tiny, like a little niche business within this huge conglomerate? So it's not like you go to like a place to like you go you go to I go to Amazon and I, I do watch a couple of Amazon shows but it always feels like I have to search for them whereas yeah. if you go to Netflix everything's just right there right and I guess we'll see if the boys does really well next year or if it still just gets like a series nomination right yeah yeah because even Apple I mean Apple TV doesn't have the breadth of programming that a lot of the other streamers have but they, I mean, they have probably, you know, like, if, if you're looking at, they have one comedy series and one drama series that they are, they can really put their chips behind. And I think a lot of the other streamers are subdivided in that way. And so, you know, kudos to them. Well, I that was just, as a consumer, you, you don't want a lot of noise. Like, uh, if you go to Apple, they they've sort of done some curation for you. There isn't this like huge library. You sort of like can find things pretty easily. Um, whereas like Netflix, you just really get lost. So unless it's something that breaks through the clutter, like I will say inventing, at least from like, it's hard to tell the metrics that Netflix puts out, but at least from like conversations I've been in, inventing Anna was something that was like widely TikTok with the voice and stuff like that. I, I feel like it's Shonda people watch it because there's some like knowledge about it but you aren't really like discovering or stumbling upon things on Netflix because there's just so much or you're not stumbling upon the same things whereas on Apple you go you're sort of like oh I like Adam Scott what's this new thing and it's like one of the only things 
on there that month. Yeah, I mean, or, yeah, or I got different strategies, right? Because Netflix's whole game, their strategy is the volume of just like just throwing things at you constantly. Um, I, I, I think, I think Apple does that too these days. I don't know. Apple, there's like a new show every single week. It's a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, but even even when it comes to like, I mean, I don't, nobody's going to care about this, so I'm sorry to bring it up, but even when it comes to something like visual effects, right, it's like, I, I don't know if any of you saw Halo on Paramount Plus, but I thought it was a really good show. Like, I was shocked. Like, I watched it just because I was in the mood for sci-fi. I was like, I don't have a sci-fi show I'm watching right now. Like, oh, sure, I'll try it. It's probably bad. It's based on video game. Totally loved it. And like they couldn't even get like a visual effects nomination. I'm like, okay, this well, is just because they're not campaigning or I also saw Disney that, has a stranglehold. Well, I think Marvel also didn't get any visual effects nominations, which is very strange. And I've been reading these articles that like, you know, Marvel shows got 19 nominations. It's great. But they also, for being probably, you know, for Peacemaker, Lo- which I know is not Marvel, uh, Loki, Moon Knight, whatever, all these being some of the most watched shows on TV, they're, they do not translate to this, you know, to the Emmys the same way. Hmm. Well, let's uh, move to a happy topic. Let's move to a happy topic. Let's go to each uh, category, each of the main categories. Tell me what you're most thrilled about in limited series. Claudia. In limited series, well, I'm very happy about The White Lotus' success. And... Yeah, it's mostly that because I'm not especially happy with biopics, the biopic mania infecting the Emmys as well as the Oscars, which have been sick for decades. Um, Abe? Yeah, White Lotus, but I'm also, I liked Inventing Anna, so I'm, ha- I'm happy it's there. I know I'm one of the few. Mark? Uh, I'm very happy about the White Lotus. I heard lots of rumblings this time last year. It seems that it wouldn't be able to hang on, um, you know, and would would be kind of uh, gone and forgotten. So I'm happy that it's it's as um, relevant as ever. And uh, I also thought the dropout was really good. I like the dropout, even though biopic. Yeah, Chris. Um, so uh, my, mine is happy by way of a little bit of salty, but I um, love Made, and I sort of wished it showed up more places, but I really adored Margaret Qualley in it, and I'm just happy that even if the show got skunked elsewhere, that she was able to poke through and get a well-deserved nomination. Yeah, I would, I would say that about Toni Collette in The Staircase. That's how I felt about that nomination, because I thought she was marvelous in that show, but I thought the, the sort of... I do fully believe she's a lead but it's like a small screen time lead so um i thought that might be trouble i thought you know just the glut of of performers in that category who were amazing would be trouble but she got in yeah. so i was like really excited about that you got my vote from that lineup yeah i mean that lineup is very strange considering who was <laughs> who was in the mix but um, there were so many better options so many <laughs> Yeah, um, but I mean, I did, I did, uh, I did love Lily James as Pamela Anderson. I so. do too. Um, and how about comedy series, other than Abbott Elementary, which I got the sense I think all of us love. Sure. I haven't, I haven't honestly watched it much of it yet. I'm going to catch up now on it, 
but I am wearing a Miracle Workers Oregon Trail uh, shirt, which features a not Emmy nominated performance from Quinta Brunson. That is very, very good. <laughs> um, so, uh, Claudia, what are you most excited about in the comedy category? Um, I'm, this is weird. I'm really excited for the sort of formal experimentation that Barry's doing. And now it's being still out, still being rewarded. At the same time, I wonder if it should still be in comedy. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy it's here because I thought that it might vacillate a little bit with the, with the weird categorization, especially with the incredibly dark tone of its last few episodes. And now sort of famous they were for being almost anti-comedy. I don't watch that show because like I realize it's very acclaimed, but I at some point I just was done with the assassin genre and I'm like, if I see one more show or movie about an assassin, it seems like Hollywood believes it's like a profession as popular as like say being a school teacher or <laughs> being like everyone would be dead if there were that many people doing that job. Um Abbott so, Assassins. <laughs> what? Abbott Assassins. <laughs> that I may watch, though. If Quinta Brunson was in charge of it, I might watch. <laughs> and <laughs> beyond the series category, I'm really happy for Nicholas Holt, who I think should have been nominated last year as well. And now he's in the right category. He was supporting them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, too. I understand people who, who don't watch Barry, but whenever you have a series that comes back after three or four years, um, like Barry or, or Atlanta, I feel like it, it kind of can be challenging to capture the momentum um, that may have been lost. Cause that's a long time to be away. And I feel like, um, I feel like this last season was um, as good as ever. Um, and, you know, creative and inventive and, you know, sort of, um, genre defying and and so I, I do appreciate that but um but yeah I loved Abbott Elementary I thought it was great yeah my passion in the comedy is I mean I love Ted Lasso but it, it has enough praise and it won all the Emmys last year so um uh what we do in the shadows I was so excited that it managed the nomination although what are the actors going to have to do to be arrested like this is two series nominations in a row with no sign of like the actors contributing anything to the show. And that's something where um, if you're going to put three or four people in a category, like <laughs> I would love to fill, fill those categories with what we do in the shadows people. Everyone's a standout. It's they're so funny and the performances are so inventive and the characters are so memorable. It's like, what more do they want for a comedy performance? I don't get it. Maybe, also, maybe yeah. it's a slow burn like the Americans or, you know, they'll get, they'll get, or, or Friday Night Lights, they'll get their nominations later on. Right. I'll also just add that I think Mrs. Maisel continues to be very, very good. And I was worried there would be, it would just be forgotten. I actually predicted Tony Shalhoub and Alec Borstein to miss. Um, but I think that the show is, is almost, almost as good as ever. Um, and I am happy that it's still, still here. And shout out to Tom Miser. Friend of the film experience, friend of mine, <laughs> um, who composes the songs for that, and he got nominated again. So that was nice. Congrats, Tom. And uh, drama series. I've already said Yellow Jackets. I 
obsessed with, but I do also want to say I was thrilled that Euphoria made it. I did not expect it. I mean, I thought it was going to skew too young or too, you know, just in your face for Emmy voters. Uh, but I thought Euphoria was even better in season two. So I was uh, very excited about that. How about you, Abe? Um, yeah, I, I think Better Call Saul, I'm happy, even though I could have done a lot better with a lot of supporting actors. Uh, I, Ray Seahorn, I had given up all hope on, so I'm glad that she got in. I didn't predict her. Um, but I'm very severance, especially because I, I do like Yellow Jackets, but severance, I think, is just, it's the rare example of a show that gets better as it goes on. And I think you really can't find a lot of those, um, these days. And so I'm, I'm very happy and I, I'm ready for season two. My worry with, with Severance, which I do like a lot, is like, why isn't that a limited series? It just seems like, how is this going to keep going? Right. So, how about you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I loved Yellow Jackets. I thought it was incredible. Um, I was sort of surprised that um, the Gilded Age didn't get much at all. Um, I don't know if anybody else was. I loved that show. I thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah, I agree. I like it. Yeah, so maybe it's a, you know, season two, they'll nominate for essentially season one. Who knows? <laughs> and Chris? Um, I know everyone and their mother that was involved with Succession got in, um, but I do want to champion that. I was really excited Jay Smith Cameron got in this season. I think she's long been doing some of the best work on that show, and um you know, maybe she makes a play for the win. Who knows? I I love Jerry. She's Go J. Smith Cameron. <laughs> That's a great, great pick. I, like, from the very first season, I was like, wow, about her. And uh, she's been good in other things, too, of course. So it's nice when someone gets a, that when a really talented character actor gets, like, a meaty part like that. It's like, yes. Absolutely. And Claudio? Um, I'm kind of surprised. None of us has mentioned it yet, but I am ecstatic by the success of Squid Game. The first non-English language nominee in most of the categories, if not all of the categories it was nominated in. And I'm, especially in a year where like sex education was dropped to the international Emmys by Netflix, it's, it's really great to see that this bet paid off and the Emmys are more open perhaps to an non-English language series, which I hope, which is something that I would have liked to see in a lot of years, because there's a lot of great stuff out there that's not in English. Sorry for my American. No, no, it's completely true. true. Um, And I think people are realizing that more with, or at least with Netflix, it does a good job of at least licensing a lot of stuff from, um, I I mean, I guess a lot they're producing now, but, you do get a lot more, um, at least a lot more than when I was growing up, a lot more international television. Um, and uh, final thoughts before we go, anybody have something they've been wanting to say that we haven't talked about? I just want to note the um, most surprising uh, nomination in the directing comedy directing category for the Ms. Pat show. I don't know if anyone else is familiar with this series, but I certainly was not. And I think it's more, when something like that gets through, it just completely surprises me that like enough i i just i don't know if anyone has any thoughts on this well i believe there and this actually goes back to um our talk about like 
blue ribbon committees or you know some sort of rules being instituted. But I do know um, that there's something around like one multicam getting into directing each uh, year for comedy. And normally it's like Big Bang Theory or Will and Grace or something. And I'm excited. It's, I'm excited to watch the show that I never have. It'll be fun. <laughs> I, I figured it was some industry thing like that because I also hadn't heard of it. Um, but here's another weird thing about the Emmys. It's like they have separate categories for camera, for cinematography, for multicam versus single cam. So why, like it, their divisions just, they have little weird niche divisions in so many places, but not in others. Arbitrary. To be fair, I think that one is justified. It is very different. Uh, well, sure. camera from, you know, editing yeah. and cinematography is really, really different. But isn't production design, you know, and things like that, aren't they also affected by single or multi-cam? Like if you're shooting everything on one set. Right. Yeah. Where's the delineation? Also, why is that the one category, the directing comedy that gets that like committee addition yeah. or something? It's very odd. Yeah. Um, any other last minute um, comments? Well, it's it's not a, a an happy comment, but I was quite sad to see that um, Rothaniel wasn't nominated for a variety special. Absolutely. While uh, Dave Chappelle's The Closer yeah. was, um, you know, that almost feels purposeful, like yeah, and, and mean spirited. It, it almost feels like when the Sesame gave all those awards to Roman Polanski's Jacuz, which I still will never understand to this. <laughs> Oh, like the Cesars a couple of years ago, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I was gaslit by every European critic who, said, who praised that film. I don't understand the, the love, but fine. And yeah, this feels a little bit like that. Like they're just uh, obstinately saying that they don't care about this. And they're just... I can point it, it on them. It well, feels like that's... a happy nomination. Yeah, and and also because like it's not like there's any shortage of like if they want to honor stand up, there's not any shortage of stand up specials. Yeah, it's the only uh, nominee, right? Oh no. Well, I mean, Rothaniel got a, a director yeah. nomination yeah, for Bo Barnham. Yeah, but that so that almost feels like I mean the whole that show is so great, but that almost feels like it's I mean it is literally a nomination for Bo Burnham, yeah. who they already love. But like, what about the show itself, which is so good? That's why I was so happy with Jared Carmichael's nomination for SNL. It was the only guest star nominated this year, but at least he got something. A consolation yeah. nomination. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, maybe this is also like, I haven't watched the Dave Chappelle special, nor will I, but, and we all have our pockets of internet and friends, but I don't really feel like I saw much discussion over whether it was good comedy or not. I feel like the discussion was just around, should he be able to say what he says, which is horrible and hate speech. So it does just, the nomination for that just feels like a specific sting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nomination is validation, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not easily offended, so I try to be very restrained about response to online offense because, you know, things upset so many people, so many different things upset so many different people. However, I do trust certain people who are also not easily offended. And I heard from enough people about that. And I'm like, I am absolutely not supporting that or watching that. Um, Because people who don't get offended easily at all, were just like, it's trash, you know? So it's like, why? Anyway, 
we can talk about that for a long time, but it does feel, it does feel like they're making a statement and the statement is pretty ugly when there were a lot of options for them. It's like, it's, there's no shortage. Of, even if you go outside of standup, there's no shortage of submissions in that category. Um, I also want to, before we go, I want to shout out and hopefully I have some other fans of person here, Sydney Sweeney for Euphoria. Two and nominations. Double nominee. Like I really, I did predict her, but I was really thinking it was like a wish dicting situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, just because I thought she was so strong in that season, but I also thought it was easily the kind of performance where people could interpret it as being bad. Right. Um, because of like just how like loud the character is about their emotions, but I think she was phenomenal. It's a very loud show. I think she is she's embodying the, the program. <laughs> yes. Um, I also wonder if that's a show in future years that can get more nominations, like for Mon Avatar or you know Hunter Schaefer if she has the right material, that kind of stuff. Well, Hunter Schaefer had the right material in season one. And didn't right, that's what I'm saying. Right, she didn't have it in season two. I can understand why she wasn't. But yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of great material, very happy, happy for Coleman Bingo as well. And oh, yeah. yeah. Especially because he was eligible last year for one of those hanging episodes. And, and no, well, it was the special, right? It was yeah. the, the, the thing that was just him and Zendaya. And mm-hmm. he was absolutely phenomenal in it and wasn't nominated. Right. And Martha yeah, Kelly, who's fantastic. Yes. I was, you know, it's, it's, it was almost shocking to see her on Euphoria and realize that her very singular style and gift totally can work in drama. I was like, wow. <laughs> because it's not like she changed that much. I mean, she's she's very talented, but it's very specific. Yeah. You know? But she didn't get nominated for Hacks. I don't think she was on the ballot. But it's it's so great, like, we named the four people from Euphoria that we all really enjoyed. And I would say they're maybe the best representations of the different styles of acting on that show. And I think things like that would have gotten lost if everyone from Euphoria got nominated. So I think it's a really good example of when you sort of hone in on who are your right people to nominate in each category. Yeah. Yeah. Another good point. And also like, if you, if, if the categories weren't so long, I know everybody likes the big, long categories because more of their favorites get nominated but it also doesn't work for like selling shows to people because like it doesn't feel I mean it is special to be nominated because we all know like as people who follow the industry closely that there's literally like hundreds of options in these categories for voters but if you're just like looking at the Emmy nominations you're not thinking of the 140 people who are left out right you're just thinking wow that's a lot of people and so it can be harder to like be like, oh, I have to watch that show. Unless it's one of the three shows that gets 20 nominations and you're already watching that show anyway. <laughs> it feels less special. Yeah. When there's so many. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I will say I was very heartened by the fact that a lot of shows that premiered earlier in the Emmy eligibility did better than I thought they might. And then shows that were, you know, released April, May, um, didn't do as well, which is great because you want, you want there to be good programming released all throughout the year and not just, you know, um, backloaded to, you know, that small sliver when, you know, they think they'll, they'll break out best. So. I do think 
most of these services, streaming services and networks are going to be very nervous about releasing all their limited series in May next year. Yeah. Because they, they tried it this year and Emmy said, nope. <laughs> Even really said, good ones. Much. Yeah. Even really good ones. Like, like I forget when the, what was the latest release that was nominated? Was it Pam and Tommy? And that was a few months ago. Uh, stra- I mean, granted it's drama, but Stranger Things. Stranger Things, yeah. The no, drama. no, I mean in limited series. Oh, yeah. the Staircase. Well, the drop. No, no, but it wasn't nominated. For right, right. Yeah, Pam and Tommy, I think, yeah. Well, the dropout was in March, and I think Pam and Tommy was in February. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the dropout. So there were months, months of programming, like so many limited series that opened after that. The Offer, which could have dominated every category with tons of nominees. The Staircase, which was like very high profile, Under the Banner of Heaven. I don't know why that one did not do well, because that was a very strong show and certainly strong performances. Who knew where to find it? That's what I say. Easy. It's on Hulu. FX <laughs> on Hulu. <laughs> FX on Hulu, yeah. But not on FX. I think that's the difference. Well, that, right. well, that yeah. is, I think that was, you know, a lot of people said that was one of the secrets of Abbott Elementary success is doing that, premiering on the network and then being on Hulu the next day. Because not right. all shows do that. A lot of shows are like, no, you have to pay for the, the season or, you know, and that way is you don't have cable and network TV, you can still watch it. So I'm hoping more shows do that because I'm always like when I hear about stuff, I'm always like, oh, I'll watch that. And sometimes it's not available without paying like $30. So I'm like, I've never seen that show. I'm not going to pay $30 for a season. Or it's not available for six months. And by then. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Um, once again, um, I'm Nathana for the Film Experience. And we're talking TV this time because it's the time of year that you talk about TV, the Emmy season. And also to thank you to Abe Friedtanzler, Mark Brinkerhoff. Thank you. Chris James. Thank you. And Claudio Alves. Thank you for having me.